0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Bleecker Street, presenting the new movie, Trumbo. Who was Dalton Trumbo? To some, he was the Academy Award-winning writer who authored the novel Johnny Got His Gun in the screenplays for Roman Holiday and Spartacus. To others, he was a dangerous subversive who was blacklisted by Hollywood for his political beliefs. Critics are calling the new film Trumbo highly entertaining, Rolling Stone declares Brian Cranston as Trumbo is a powerhouse and Helen Mirren is a scene stealer. Based on a true story in which everyone from Kirk Douglas to John Wayne played a part, experienced Trumbo, also starring Louis C.K., Al Fanning, John Goodman, and Diane Lane. Now playing in select cities everywhere on Thanksgiving. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the Deputy Editor and Chief Film Critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson from Thompson & Hollywood out in L.A., still getting through AFI Fest, which last week gave us the opportunity to talk about By the Sea. Now you've seen another movie that unfortunately I haven't had a chance to see yet, but it's it's certainly worth talking about now that the word is out, which is Concussion, this uh, Will Smith football drama that we first started hearing a lot about in those Sony hack emails last year but now it's a real thing and you could talk about how it's
1: it's pretty bad um (laughs) i would say um what it is is exactly what you um expect from a movie studio like sony um and a major movie star like will smith and a writer director named peter landesman who's more of a journalist than he is a filmmaker and he makes a very strong argument for uh, why the uh, NFL has, uh, you know, sort of like the cigarette companies with, with you know, cancer and, right. and cigarettes. Brain Why it's, it's absolutely ignoring uh, or, or, or has been resistant and has been uh, fighting, um, you know, the whole question of concussions and, and this brain disease um, that this doctor that Will Smith plays from Nigeria, Yep. He basically uh was the uh person who discovered this this pathology. And he, he, he really uh the disease. He he is a pathologist, a forensic neuropathologist who has, like, 50 million degrees. I mean, there's no way that this guy... There's a scene at the beginning, which I was sort of amused by, where he's sitting on the stand, he's testifying in a case, and he lists a string of degrees in everything you could imagine, you know? And uh, he's one of these sort of obsessive, incredibly serious, humorless kinds of people that that are incredibly uh, successful in the world. But he was literally driven out of Pittsburgh by the nfl and so i see they that they thought they had a a a hero and and a movie that they could um turn into something that people would want to go see but and maybe they have but but
0: word was out pretty early that there were definitely studio conversations whether or not it actually comes out in the movie that they they softballed a little bit here to to satisfy the nfl did did it seem on some level like the movie was uh, it's not soft... soft
1: on the nfl at all
0: it's very
1: It's extremely tough on the NFL, and and makes them look really bad.
0: But hearing you uh, talk about it, it sounds like The Insider or something like that. You know, that's a sort- good
1: movie. That's a movie about, from Michael Mann. You know, that's that's a movie that's rigorously um, authentic. And
0: you're saying it's 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 poorly directed, poorly written.
1: I'm not saying it's poorly directed and poorly written. I'm saying it's directed like and written like it's a. A legal case, right. an argument. Well, Landsman
0: also is a journalist. He wrote the GQ story this is based on. So it, it, it seems like maybe there was some sort of awkward transition then based on what you're describing from... Journalist to oh he's done
1: filmmaker. some movies I mean, he did a film called Parkland he's obviously making that transition and they obviously banked on him to be able to handle the complexities of this of this story but if it, you know making a legal case is not making a, a convincing drama right. and it's not it's just not very um, uh, I mean it's the kind of thing where you know he meets the woman he's going to marry and he talks to his unborn fetus in the middle okay. of the night and and there are these treacly strings going on very manipulatively from, from James Newton Howard. You know, it is it is just this is the exact kind of, of mainstream studio movie making, but the, here's the thing. It's a serious issue movie. It's an issue that needs to be seen and understood um, and maybe it, it's an agitprop movie. It's a movie with a, an agenda. and the It agenda, starts a
0: conversation do you think it it hopes, effectively?
1: I don't know if people are going to respond to it or not. It may be that mainstream audiences do respond. It may be that men who care about football and families who care about their safety of their children i mean will smith was very moving at the after uh q a where he talked about how he has he had been a football dad for four years and 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 he didn't know any of this and well, so, so this will is smith a way was... to get the message out i don't know whether it'll be effective or not but, will but it's not an oscar contender
0: well let's so, just put so,
1: that on the table yeah
0: let, let's get into that a little bit further though so he was really moving in the q a is is he any good in the movie
1: Yes, he's perfectly good. He's convincing.
0: Because well, it's been a while accent. since we saw him really good in anything. He
1: was he's... good in Ali with Michael Mann. It was a while ago. Yeah. That was a very good performance, and he, and he's very convincing in this. But And the guy, you can see that he's playing the real guy. I mean, he is sort of awkward and and not that, um, uh, you know, he's not playing a sexy guy. He's playing a guy who's an obsessive academic kind of you know, do it right, you know, talk to your corpses and find their secrets. But the you
0: shortcomings know. of the movie take him out of Oscar consideration.
1: I would say that the competitiveness of the best actor race and the level to which he would have to rise makes, yes, he's not going to get there, I don't think.
0: Well, it's going to be a little while before I get a chance to see this one, but with so much coming up this season... You I mean, can skip just... this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I,
1: I'm really being quite honest I, about it.
0: i got to be I in the tell know. you...
1: I know you well enough, Eric. This is not your cup of tea.
0: <laughs> it's not arcane. It's, just um, not, it's not on it's my not level artfully, of artfully. It is not
1: artfully arcane, no. But,
0: but I, I am happy to be pleased by, by certain kinds of movies that follow conventions in various ways. There's one I'm not even allowed to talk about yet that's embargoed that I thought... Was a terrific crowd pleaser, but one that I well, re- the
1: one I'm going to see tonight is *The Big Short*, so I'll be reviewing that
0: later. Pretty curious about that one too, and we'll have to get to it next week. I just revisited *Youth*. Uh, the Critic Marshall Find is a film club upstate in in, in Pelham, and, and, I, and I was brought up to talk about youth after a screening there. And, that, you know, I, it just reminded me, oh, yeah, there's another movie that's coming out this fall that I really like. I haven't seen it in a long time. And, hey, Michael Caine is kind of in the Oscar conversation. and
1: He totally you know, is. And and it, one of the things that's interesting about this so-called Oscar conversation that we keep referring to is the... Um, Is the fact that you have these, you know, these websites like Gold Derby, or you've got um, uh, which has a number of people weighing in on what they think the predictions for Oscar are, and then you have uh, Gurus of Gold over at um, Movie City City News, and and you know I am a little bit out of sync with some of these groups, and one of the reasons for that is that I have seen everything (laughs) that that has been shown. I mean, I haven't seen The Big Short that's tonight, and I haven't seen uh Joy and and Hateful Eight and and The Revenant. No one has seen them, and but they all see fit to you know predict them anyway. But but I'm a little bit out of sync, and 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 Youth is a is a case in point where where I just think it's a a movie that's going to play so well. Oh for the man! Ad- I mean,
0: I this at this little dinky theater. The picture I shouldn't call it dinky. I mean, it's kind of quaint. But you know, an older art house kind of audience—people who go to movie theaters. I mean, they—I think, in the for the most part, they loved it. I mean, the the kind of more vulgar Jane Fonda stuff towards the end. There were some uh, one or two walkouts, but you could see, and and coming back to this movie, I could certainly see that there, there's something very refined and elegant about this movie, even though it's kind of bizarre, and the, that widened its audience and it's a Fox Searchlight movie you can't discount that element either those folks know what they're doing with this kind of material so it all kind of boils down to just how dense this fall season is. We get new things to talk about almost on a, a weekly basis now and yet there are these other elements that are already out there that, that are, have yet to reintroduce themselves that will keep shaking things up.
1: Well, for example, there's a few, um, you know, I, I tend to err on the side of being an Anglophile, but I actually think that there's evidence that the Academy also tends to fall in that category. So you've got something like Lady in the Van with Maggie Smith, which hasn't really shown that much yet. It showed in Toronto Toronto, But a lot of people didn't see it or you've got something like 45 years, which people are just catching up with. So they showed youth and 45 years at AFI Fest last night and there were dinners afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I interviewed Charlotte Rampling today to my great pleasure. And a lot of people haven't caught up with those films yet. And or, so, uh, the, you know, they're...
0: something like Love and Mercy, which came out over the summer. We went to a, my, my colleague, Kate Herblin and I went to a, a lunch for that uh, earlier this week, and people were loving it. There was an Academy voter at our table who said, "You know what? I haven't really had time to see much else, but now I've seen this one. So I think I'll probably just vote for for the for this thing and, and settle with that." You know.
1: Well, you we all hear these anecdotal conversations, <laughs> and how we how we add them up is is our own. You know, our, our you know, you just you start to hear things. You start to right. hear like, for example, today I went and interviewed the guys that you interviewed long ago. But I put them on video. I I talked to the guys from uh, Son of Saul, the the director and the star of of Son of Saul. And it was a fascinating conversation. And I was struck by how serious and how intelligent and how deeply, deeply felt uh, what these two men did on this film uh, really was, and it reminded me uh, of, of the impact of the film. I was reading the production notes and I started to cry at the end, you know, um, but but it's it's a very, very important movie, and I want everybody to see it, and it makes me crazy when I hear that, you know, there are people in the Academy who don't too like grim,
0: it. Too, yeah, all this kind of stuff is, is, is really frustrating to me because I've I described it as this gripping psychological thriller. I mean, it's not, it's not just a Holocaust movie, and people 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 need to be willing to open up to what this movie is on its own terms and not the kind of baggage that, you know, what it happens to be about... Uh, it could but when
1: you talk about add. them, and I'm, and I'm sure you had the same experience when you saw, spoke to them, you realize how this is what makes great movies: is when you have these sort of obsessive people who have thought about the subject for a long time, for years, for entire lifetimes, who who have you know embedded themselves deeply in in, in the philosophy and and the psychology and and the history and everything else. These people have thought about it so much, and I'm including the actor in this case who isn't an actor at all uh, although he's a great actor now it's his first time doing it but um, you, you, you realize that they take this movie really seriously and I think people should give it some, some credit for that
0: well, it's one thing to try to sell people on this bracing Holocaust drama that's being released by a company that kind of knows what they're doing at this time of year. It's another thing when you start getting into the documentary race, which should be the next focus of, of this week's episode because there's just so much going on in that space this week. And these are movies that are, have a totally different kind of challenge than some of the other awards season contenders we've been talking about. Doc NYC is starting in New York this week, and they have this section there, the shortlist, which by no means is a comprehensive shortlist, but it's got a lot of potential contenders there. And it does seem like each year Doc NYC has more and more of uh, an influence on this conversation. Today there was a There's huge an argument. lunch about it.
1: There's a, well, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, go ahead.
0: Well, the, I, I just wanted to point out that today there was a huge lunch uh, to celebrate the beginning of the festival, and, and they gave some lifetime achievement awards to people like Barbara Kopple, uh, who was honored by Michael Moore, who gave a longer speech than her acceptance speech. And but it was much more, <laughs> it was much more uh, an Academy crowd than ever before. I mean, you could really feel that mark being left in the room.
1: Yeah, well, they're working it. I mean, this is the time of year, as I've been describing, where, you know, every night, every day, everywhere you go in New York and L.A., there's something uh, going on. And um, there's a new, uh, in fact, San Francisco has joined the club and they're doing a new uh, Doc Stories thing they did it last weekend. And half the people who've been campaigning in New York and and showing up for Doc NYC and, and campaigning in L.A. They were there are, first, are, are yeah. there, are going up to San Francisco and went up to San Francisco and did 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 you know when people are in serious campaign mode and the docs are in that mode now they didn't used to be it used to be this tiny little group of people you know seeing a, a short list of films each and then you know they would w- vote for that now they all see all the you know, there's a 20% thing that they're assigned but right. they're supposed to see most you know almost all of these i mean
0: they're much more responsible than the rest of the academy in that respect there's there's this what do you mean by of, that? Well, I think there's a real sense of of trying to address the challenge of getting people to, to see the movies they're voting for as opposed to being almost entirely manipulated by various other kinds of demands. I mean, obviously that's a factor too, but just being able to position these movies in such a way where the branch seems to be making an effort to at least pay attention to a lot of the strong possibilities is it feels more progressive than the way that say the best picture race shakes down
1: well what i'm trying to say is that they've become the same in other words uh yes the doc branch they're responsible and yes they take it seriously and yes they all try to see as many of the films as they can and yes this is these rules are better than the other way where you would have you know the sort of consistent every year there would be some weird incredible thing that was left off whether it was from errol morris or Steve James or whatever, or Werner Herzog, and you would go, what the hell? What movies? You know, how did that ha-? well, happen? Because they were these little tiny groups right. of people. So, so here's the, the thing, though, is that what we're talking about is marketing. We're talking about promotion. We're talking about the need for uh, this kind of um, um, awareness of the movies so that they, they're, they're trying to get them on this t- short list of 15. And the short list of 15 coincidentally 15 that the doc NYC has is very influential. And people are arguing that perhaps it's too influential that it really, it shouldn't be the kind of thing where ever, because Tom Powers is actually very respected and he functions as a curator. And, but, but it's, it's almost like, Oh, if it's on that list, that means those are the films I have to see. The question is, do they, do they see all the others?
0: Well, but what is not on this list that needs to be there? I mean, I, for I heard... example,
1: uh, I would say, listen to me, Marlon, which got an IDA. Nomination. I mean, in other words, it's it's starting to become like a feta company. If everybody says Amy is the front runner, if everybody says Cartel Land is the front runner, which I finally saw and it's very good, and if everyone you know assumes you know that 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 uh, the Liz Garbus movie list. Uh, Miss Simone, you what know, happened what happened to Miss Simone. Simone, you know, these movies, you know, it, it, it starts to look like it's, it's already decided and, and there should be room for people to check out all these other movies that maybe nobody saw and didn't get as much attention.
0: I think somebody like Tom Powers is, is an easy target because he has this kind of influence, but he's also making a huge difference by providing some kind of tangible framework for talking about, what would be happening anyway? And at least the curatorial element changes those terms of the conversation. I mean, he's not operating in a vacuum. He listens to us. He's looking at festival submissions. He's talking to his colleagues. I mean, this is not exclusively just the representation of the movies. Tom Powers should be a part. Well, of Well, I of the suggest that there
1: are also some politics in there. You know,
0: well, I mean, he's, there? he's are also in
1: going with the heavyweights in the room he's putting you know Michael Moore's no pun intended there uh where to invade next he's putting he's putting he, he named me malala you know these are the big yeah, of you course, know but i mean if movies, he was doing that be the best they, i'm not saying i'm not picking them out specifically to to criticize them but they may not be the best of the yeah you know,
0: but if he wasn't 50. doing that michael moore would be doing it for himself he Fox Searchlight would be doing that for he named me malala you also have- that's look why those in there. two
1: slots are very important. Those two slots should be given, could be given to, to a deserving smaller, lower profile but I, film. But it seems to I, me... I, I feel like you're arguing my side and I'm arguing your <laughs>
0: side. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's a little bit of a devil's advocate thing going on here. But to me, it's like if you're going to call it the shortlist, it should be to some degree a reflection of movies that really have a shot and some element of advocacy to push some things that might have a shot if they got the extra limelight. If it was something, well, dream sort of...
1: catchers in there, and I think that's because they're giving it a big award, and they right. they. Felt weird about not putting it in there, Um, but or felt very strong. I haven't seen Dreamcatcher yet, so that's one of the more obscure ones. Um, Based on the
0: possibilities right now, I would love to see the the main frontrunners be Cartel Land and The Look of Silence. Those, to me, of the films that are in the Doc NYC shortlist are the ones that are the edgiest uh, in terms of the kind of content that they're capturing, what the filmmakers had to go through. You know, whether it's confronting people who were involved in this genocide or the Mexican drug war, but they're also beautiful movies. And, and
1: they're on. The, I think they're on the top five. I think yeah. they're totally going to be in the, t- the final five.
0: I mean, I, I feel like that one needs the extra push. It didn't do it. Really it doesn't well.
1: need it that it didn't do well at the box office. But in this particular area where the where the do, where we're talking about the documentary, that's an advantage. They want to help movies. They do, and 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 that's a movie that was not did not win for *Active Killing*, and inside the documentary branch, *Active Killing* is considered an incredibly brilliant movie as well. It should be, and so I think he has an advantage. He's a, he's got the underdog Ben Affleck advantage. right Yeah, now. I was
0: actually sitting at the lunch with with the director Joshua Oppenheimer, and he he felt like he wasn't really sure. Did he did he have the same traction? This is a harder sell. The movie did really well in Europe, actually, which is actually quite quite fascinating by point of contrast. But uh, to me, it's almost like, well, maybe there's a Michael Keaton thing going on here, where the Birdman campaign set the stage for what's going on with Spotlight. Could Act of Killing created the foundation that would help? Huh, this? I believe that's out. true.
1: I think that happens all the time, and I think that that I, I am quite convinced that Look of Silence will will go will go all the way. I'm I'm just surprised, you know, that 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 um, I mean. <sighs> We'll see. I think the 15 is going to be close, as it usually is, to the 15 that he picked, but the IDA had some films on there that that were different, and, and, uh, and it's interesting to look at the cinema eye. Uh, nominees as well, which are also influential. Now they have cartel land and look of science with the post nominees. Right. So, so that is, and since their voters are coming from different areas of the doc world, you know, there's probably some overlap. But they also include um, the wolf pack, and they and they include listen to Marlon and Amy and a movie called Democrats. Right. Are you familiar with that? Yeah,
0: very strong. I mean, it's 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 sort of traditional, but the way that it deals with these African elections is. Um... I mean, clearly somebody went through a lot to capture that kind of footage, and, and it opens up a world to people who wouldn't necessarily be familiar with it. So that was a, that was a nice inclusion. I, I, again, I mean, I, the, the, it's not, a, to me, as, as daring and aesthetically accomplished as Look of Silence and Cartel Land. And I think it's great to see The Wolf Pack, a movie that's kind of baffling and... and Stra- strange and in, it's in, in all these different kinds of ways you know stand out in the, in the conversation but does all of this stuff work against Amy a movie that did so well at the box-off and, was, and, and we were saying yes it's a different it does
1: I I think there's a possibility that Amy does you see, see the A24 has done everything right with Amy but sometimes you know, being um, he's the, uh, Senna didn't get nominated. Uh, Asif Kapadia's last film, and sometimes being too, super, super successful is, is it, I think, I think that's going to weigh against Amy, and I think that Michael Moore's fame and J- davis guggenheim's relative um uh entitlement are are going to weigh against them too whereas i would love to see heart of a dog get in yes. i loved heart you of a dog you finally caught up
0: with me on that Oh,
1: one. i did i loved it so much you were absolutely right and 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 i i i enjoyed interviewing laurie anderson and i would like to think that they would recognize that even though this is this is an artist making uh, a documentary that that should be okay that that should not make it you know less serious or less you know they tend to go for serious political movies you know
0: two weeks ago i went to to the opening weekend uh screening for heart of a dog in new york and and laurie anderson had a party at her uh, apartment afterwards which was a fascinating scene all this Lou Reed stuff everywhere, and um, but there were a lot of uh, a good amount of Academy voters there, and and some influential ones from the Doc branch who were really beaming about about that achievement, and and so the the art side of it I think is, is 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 a real kind of asset to this movie in terms of its underdog status. I mean, it's not like these kinds of movies haven't been honored by the Academy before. It's just that it's a it's a weirder, more esoteric kind of accomplishment to sell people on. But maybe that would work in its favor. I mean, one slot should go to a movie like that if the others are being taken up by social issue kind of things that maybe play for larger audiences. Well,
1: that's likely going to gonna be a factor, too, with all these music movies um, that are in contention because I don't think all of them are going to get in. So, you know, is it going to be Amy or is it going to be uh, Nina Simone or is it going to be um, the the really good Kurt Cobain doc? You know, uh, the, and, and, you know... And best of enemies, which I think is a terrific, brilliant, well-made, difficult to achieve movie, may just be too entertaining. You know, they they may just go for for something more complex like um, uh, the the Winter on Fire, which is an enormous movie. It's just on it's, a I huge think it's scale. Great. That that yeah.
0: about the Ukrainian uh, revolution, in yeah, is, is, is Square, which is uh, getting a nice push from Netflix. Who seems to know what they're doing in this space better they than I do? They do very
1: people. well with docs, I have to say. They do a lot better with docs than they do with uh, features at this point. But that's something they're starting to learn. You well, know? you
0: know, it's funny. I saw Ted Sarandos at the uh, lunch today because Netflix had its table, and, and we're talking a little bit about how he went up and said that the beasts of the nation had seen three million times. He pointed out to me that those were only domestic numbers. So. They're seeing global. What's the
1: time frame on that 3 million figure exactly? I
0: mean, there are so many questions associated with throwing around these kind of figures, but it's a pretty big was number. Was it a
1: week or was it a, a, a you know, I, I'd like to know. I mean, if you're going to do statistics, you, you know, if you're comparing, you know, 3 million views in the first week. And doing the numbers on how many people attended a movie, you know, that it, I wish I wish we could I wish we could have real stats. It just makes me crazy.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I feel like they're just teasing us like, look over here. There's a number over here. It's like, <laughs> Guys, Come on. Enough already. I mean, something's got to give. Right. But, I, but yeah. I like the idea of sort of saying, well, actually, there's this international figure. We're not even telling you because, hey, they're doing well with Doc. So. Maybe people really are paying closer attention to docs of all different kinds that are available on Netflix in a a newer kind of way. I mean, that kind of process of of viewing stuff is, is fresher. What
1: they have is they have yeah that's possible. I, that's the I mean that's the beast of no nation argument is that many academy members probably did see it because it was on Netflix and that, but they didn't and the reason that nobody went to the theaters was because most people who go to see a movie like that are Netflix subscribers. Yeah, so I mean... you know I think I think it's going to be very but but finally we'll see we'll see what happens. They didn't do a proper Oscar campaign on that you know or they haven't. We'll see. They're starting to do some. Of the usual meet and greet uh, type things.
0: I just, I just love sinking our teeth into these bigger questions about how this feeds into the future of the theater and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this past week I, I spent my lunch break sitting with Shia LaBeouf and the Angelica for a few minutes during the last third of fury because he was just kind of there. And I noticed as the theater got more and more crowded over the last three days for this bizarre stunt that he pulled, (laughs) it was the most crowded I'd seen the Angelica as long as I've been in New York. I mean, it was well, Events the are box.
1: always events. You know, I think one of the things that happened that Noah Cowan figured out up in San Francisco is if you get all these people to show up, if you get these filmmakers and you create an event, you create a, 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 a conversation in, in a community, you can really get people to come to theaters, even when they're, the movies are on VOD. Even even when, when they're already out in theaters, you, you can get them to show up at, at your event. So I think uh, that's been, the exhibition knows that you creating an event is is a good thing
0: right it just seems to me like it's only a matter of time before somebody harnesses that concept to just latch on to whatever movie theaters are going to become because i mean this is something that Linkletter was telling us in an interview we did with him recently that that mid-sized adult drama that's not a theatrical movie even i mean even something like *Beast of no nation you could argue that it's a big screen experience but at the same time it's there's something about the the element of sophistication and and the the kinds of things that it, that it's asking you to do well that's a hard sell in movie theaters and it's not as hard to sell when you can just tap the play button and I think there's there's just a lot of stuff that's not Star Wars that works in that space so what does that where does that leave the theater so
1: I'm really curious to see what ends up happening with paranormal activity and and the nah. sequel you know because well they have um
0: they have nothing to lose with something like that that they're well, going to release no, that's, it that's soon not the on point VOD. that's
1: not the point the point is that is that one theater chain did it and the others didn't and the theater chain that did it got you know really big uh grosses uh, on it and and you know and and when you know what the the point is whether this could change the paradigm for the future whether because it's just one it's just a when the the movie runs out of steam they move it on to the other platforms. They they don't they don't keep the ninety day window, and I like the organic feel of that. If if a movie isn't playing anymore, if it's being taken off screens, why do you have to wait to go on to the next platform? No, I
0: totally agree. I remember a couple of years ago when when IMDb sent out some release about that you could upload videos to your IMDb page, and I was thinking, well, wouldn't it be great if the same day that you premiered at Sundance or something, you just threw your movie up on IMDb and and people could just rent it and you could just harness that kind of popularity. And then if you want to show it in a theater, you can take it down for a little bit and make it available in theaters. And if people want to go do that, you know, there's just more room for experimentation than ever before as long as people are willing to take that step. And the bigger companies can do that, obviously, in a way that the little guys can't afford to.
1: Or the or the indies can do it in a way that the studios with you know uh, for example you know Sony Pictures Classics people keep saying that they're you know they've they've had a, a relatively challenging fall and and you know maybe the reason for that is 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 that they are you know still hanging on to some old paradigm of of how they should be releasing movies and and I would argue that they know how to release movies in theaters better than anyone and they have a lot. Advantages as a studio in that regard, but it, perhaps they didn't have the luck of the draw in some of the films that they picked. You know, Truth wasn't the same situation as Still Alice. You know, where where you were definitely going to get an Oscar nomination, even if the movie wasn't as great as it could have been. You know, and and you know they just didn't it, it, it just didn't go their way with some of their, the the films that they chose.
0: You know, the movie I bet is doing banging business on VOD is uh, Tangerine. Exactly. That's the
1: perfect movie for that medium. There
0: you go. Let's get those numbers out there. Maybe it's an Oscar contender we haven't even realized yet. Who knows?
1: (laughs) It is your bound duty (laughs) to raise Tangerine on every single podcast. I understand this.
0: Hey, look, entertainment is opening this week. I think that movie's a blast, too. It's totally nuts. I don't see a lot of people really sitting through it because it's really difficult. Tangerine, you should watch it. It's pretty great. You like it. I like I it. I love it. Maybe the Academy will love it too. <laughs> I think it's possible. I All want right.
1: to talk to Academy members who do love it. Well, there it or you not. go.
0: There you go. It's rising up. It's the Donald Trump of Oscar <laughs> season. <laughs> so next week we'll have more things to talk about from AFI Fest. Doc NYC will still be going on. Lots more to do. And I know you have interviews to get back to, so I'll let you do them. Thank well, you. Then. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.